Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. Max and friends, he says what he wants, ain't holding nothing back. LA Talk Radio, this is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. Welcome to another Sunday night of Max and Friends. Well, if it's your first time tuning in, where have you been over the 11 years? I've been here waiting for you. Tweet me at Max Tucci. Let me know what's going on in your life. Find me on Twitter, at Max Tucci Radio. And here's the thing with Twitter. Don't hate, but I don't know when the change is going to happen, but it's just going to be at Max Tucci because there's some sorcery going on at Instagram and they're figuring it all out. Someone stole my name. That's chic though, huh? So chic. Someone wants to be me. How you doing? Well, tonight we have a great show because the one and only Dermot Mulroney is here in the studio. So we're going to talk about his life, his career, and also him being a musician. I don't know if you all knew that, but we've got a great song that we're going to play. But before we get into the song, we got to talk about how everyone is doing. You know, I'm in L.A. You all know by now I have a house here. And um, we're good. Are we good? Yes. Yeah, Sam left his eyeglasses in here, and we're a live show. So whatever. Life happens. It unfolds naturally. And here's the story, my friends. As you know, I'm in L.A., and... I don't live here full time. So when you like tweet me and say, are you still in a relationship? Did you move here full time? Y'all know that I keep my private life private for a reason to keep you all guessing. <laughs> Kidding. But yeah, I do come here. I work here and then I go either to Colorado or to Florida. And that's just how life unfolds. But um, so I appreciate you actually caring. So let's just talk about L.A. real quick. I went to Wally's for dinner. If y'all haven't been to Wally's, y'all need to go to Wally's. We had the best food ever i felt for a moment like i was in italy until um i realized i was in beverly hills and that's just because that's how americans are but um the food was over the top delicious we had an amazing time thank you to wally's for treating us like unbelievable so on that note let's get into some music because i believe that music is a changing uh, vibrational changing moment and the song nighttime by the band cranky george is what we're going to play right now on max and friends and when we get back from that song dermot Maroney will be here so stay tuned to max and friends on la talk radio
stars like roadmaps to heaven. Semaphore, Morse code, digital overload, signal fires, signaling everything, 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 right with the Talk radio. This is Max and Friends. That was Cranky George Nighttime because in the band is the one and only Dermot Mulroney. Welcome to Max and Friends. Yeah. Hey, Max, how you doing? <laughs> Don't you love being a band member instead of an actor? Oh, <laughs> That's I, how I introed you. <laughs> I love it all. I love being here with you. That's for sure. I'm grateful Thanks you're for here. Having me. My pleasure. So, you know, there's so many facets to Dermot Mulroney. One, music and this song. I mean, I'm sweating from that song. There's so much passion in there. So tell me, let's go out and talk about your music first, the genesis of music in your life. How did it start? Uh, well, I started playing the cello when I was seven years old. Mm-hmm. So um, I've played ever since, really, mm-hmm. which is the most phenomenal thing. It's such mm-hmm. a powerful force in my life. Um, I'd let it go a couple of times in my youth, and it mm-hmm. kept coming back to mm-hmm. me. One of the versions, one of the uh, the times that it returned to me was here when we regrouped from a Parts of a band called the Low and Sweet Orchestra mm-hmm. that made an album in the 90s regrouped. One of them's my brother who sings the lead on Nighttime okay. there and wrote that song. And, and that was Sternley. from the album Fat Lot of Good. Fat Lot of Good is the album of Cranky George, mm-hmm. the band that myself, my brother Kieran mm-hmm. Mulroney, James Fernley, and two other guys, Brad mm-hmm. and Sebastian, are members of. That's great. So thanks for playing Nighttime. Of course. That's an epic tune. It's an epic uh, tune. There's, really I mean, and the video and, yeah. is like intense. Sure. So anybody can find that yeah. online on YouTube. A couple of our videos are mm-hmm. up there. Um, but of course, the music's for sale too on, of course. online. Buy the music. iTunes. Buy the, the music, people. Other ways that you can enjoy. <laughs> and all the ways. So what music. is it that, what made you want to start a band? 
Well, you know what really happened? I didn't want to start a band. Mm -hmm. I was asked to join a band. Uh, Kai, I barely knew, had a gig mm -hmm. um, for a punk band. He had just three members called um, Low and Sweet. Mm -hmm. And he thought he'd uh, a couple of the guys dropped out or it fell apart. So Xander Schloss is this guy. And he okay. called his friend James Fernley, who'd been in the Pogues all those years playing the accordion. Mm -hmm. Do you know any guys that play strings? I want to add that to this punk band. Mm -hmm. And so those two guys were me and my brother, Kieran. He plays violin. I play cello. Mm -hmm. So we joined uh, and became a band called mm -hmm. the Low and Sweet Orchestra. We mm -hmm. made an album for Interscope in, I think, 96. Mm -hmm. That's a brilliant album. Mm -hmm. um, made analog, old-style mm -hmm. tracking. Um, mm -hmm. On vinyl, too? Yeah. Cool. And Vinyl's uh, the way to listen to music. Yeah, no it's doubt. It's raw and, and real. Cranky George has vinyl out, too. Yeah, you can I, find I, that yeah, anywhere. That's cool. Um, but so that group of musicians mm -hmm. m had this great run, um, toured even as an act. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, the next time around was maybe six or eight years later, mm -hmm. maybe more even. That we regrouped uh, with Kieran and James as Cranky George with new material. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you know, we can go back into the genesis now of your acting career. When did that start? Well, to be honest with you, it was that same summer. It, it was. in 1970. It was a big year was it for like, me. Summer camp? I start, well, I started summer music camp <laughs> right, on there the you, show. I and knew it was, was a camp. <laughs> there was a backyard, uh, really, really just a neighborhood uh, theater, mm -hmm. uh, kids theater um, not even a program, right. really just ad hoc thrown together by this oh. wonderful woman named mm -hmm. Lois Hunt, okay. who was an actress and brought all these kids together. So I, I got, um, I was bit by the bug well, the like, minute I tried it. I was going to say, like, what is that first emotion you felt like, this is my passion and this is what I'm going to do? Did you have that? I don't know. That grew over time. It did. The, the, I'm, this is what I'm going to do yeah. part. And I always never believed that I would be able to do it. So mm -hmm. part of my story is that it came to me anyway. Mm -hmm. And I've dedicated myself to something that I always thought from the beginning would be elusive. Mm -hmm. To be an actor. Right. Um, and somewhat the same for music in that, as I described, I sort of have come in and out of it mm -hmm. uh, over the years. Um, but it was that summer that I started both. Mm -hmm. um, and... Um, so what's the difference? What does it mean to you to be what does it mean to be an actor versus to be a musician? Well, there's a lot of differences now. And since mm -hmm. I do both professionally, mm -hmm. um, it's it's a little strange, actually. Yeah, there's think. a beautiful duality to it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Because one is who you are in freeing and the other is someone else. Yeah. And one, the, the musician yeah. is the one that has trained rigorously mm -hmm. to do something with a technique that's established. Mm -hmm. right. Reading music that's done all over the world. Mm -hmm. It's a it's a thing. Right. That you tangible. need to prepare yeah. and be, be practiced at. Right. Acting, wouldn't it be wonderful if all actors had trained and prepared <laughs> right. to... Um, right, right. But instead, there's something indefinable in acting, something ethereal that mm -hmm. makes it true art. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's why people can just appear mm -hmm. um, so talented and so accomplished at acting without practicing. Mm. So in that way, they couldn't be more different. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are people that can pick up an instrument and play it immediately right. and know how to express music. But basically, right. it's something you need to train in for, as they say, the 10,000 plus hours. Yeah. So I did that with an instrument. Mm -hmm. um, and acting, I also studied it. I studied mm -hmm. through high school, was in plays in college. Mm -hmm. um, but then What was the first play you did? Do you remember? The first play I was in that summer of 1970, <laughs> 71, was called The Bluebird of Happiness. Okay. It's an actual play. They mm -hmm. made a film of it mm -hmm. um, in the 70s right. as well. Um, but I think 
by now. It's it's kind of an obscure play right. from the a early remake. 20th century. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and uh, so I played a dog in that, but a speaking part. Right, But of I, course, I remember being yeah. seven, and I remember that first you do remember curtain it. call. Yeah, I remember And what was that, that feeling sensation. for you? That sensation was... Um, uh, it's so I can feel it now. Mm-hmm. It's that same excitement I get the night before I go on a set or right. a thing. Um, just, just really uh, excited, uh, adrenaline. You know, it's a, it's a. But rush. this is like seven-year-old inner child feeling that rush, right? Yeah, and so the way I would have experienced that as a seven-year-old mm-hmm. is different than I experience it now. Um, fully all ego child. Mm-hmm. That all of that applause was for the individual right. that was receiving it. Mm-hmm. Me, that child at seven. It was very self centered. Right. That everyone's looking good. at you. I yeah, come from yeah. a big family where we're always in, in the bargain right? for validation or attention. <laughs> the validation. Or there's some commerce in our mm-hmm. in my life up to that age where mm-hmm. I was you know, trying to get my yeah. portion. Right, I got uh, But you. that night, you know, I got it all in you that got moment, it. and I felt that connection to yeah. being, um, to being received with applause. Yeah. No, it's uh, you yeah. know, for everyone in general, humanity, all we want is: do you hear me? Do you see me? And yeah. do I matter? Yeah. It's that validation. That's so right. when you're seven and you're on stage and everyone's clapping for you, they saw you, they heard you, and for that moment, you matter. Yeah, and I'm so not I the totally only, not that. the only kid that right. got, but you, really got, but you felt it for you. Yeah, and yeah. I can still feel it. Now, does your inner child still play a role when every time you go on set? Like, do you feel that excitement that you felt at seven? Sometimes I do. There's a certain type of nervousness I feel that's mm-hmm. um, very, um, very unique to that experience. Mm-hmm. So I would feel nervousness playing music if I wasn't sure of the part or mm-hmm. how it's going to go, a live performance with the band. There's that kind of mm-hmm. nervousness or anticipation. But this still is like that. It'll make me worry about whether I... Um, can remember my lines is part of that nervousness mm-hmm. too, which I always do. Really, um, but on the first day, I'm never sure that it's gonna work. <laughs> you know, it's like shaving. You're like, will I ever have a beard again? Exactly. And then the next day, there it is. And you're like, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, right. The false evidence appearing real has grown back. <laughs> correct. Yeah, correct. I got so you. I have that uh, repeat experience too. That for me evokes that mm-hmm. sense of wonder as a child. In other words, that is a Full connection, lifelong. Mm-hmm. Now that I've been acting in front of a camera professionally, really, you know, coming on 35 years, mm-hmm. you know, 33 years or so. But that whole time, mm-hmm. I, I know that it's there's a inner core child connection that's mm-hmm. part of what I get to do right. for a living. That's good. So it's really the smile of, just showed it all. Well, it's a <laughs> sense of wonder. It. It's yeah. a sense of wonder that I get when I work. I yeah. get you know every day that mm-hmm. I work still. Yeah. So that hasn't diminished. It hasn't diluted itself mm-hmm. over the years. As a pro actor, starting right. at early age, very impressionable, early twenties. But I can really even trace that feeling back to that night you yeah. asked me about. That's beautiful. Yeah. So thirty-five years in the industry. Yeah. Right? More or less. Yeah, a little bit less. What was the most challenging role you've played thus far? And have you played that role yet? Wow. Um, <laughs> I've had so many incredible roles, mm-hmm. um, comedy and drama, mm-hmm. where I've uh, been relied on to carry the whole story, to carry one little plot point. Mm-hmm. So it's really hard to compare them all. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe I'll, I'll tap into the, the film jobs that I had where I felt the most pressure. Yeah. Um, I, the first day shooting with Jack Nicholson on About Schmidt okay. was a little hairy <laughs> for me. To be honest, Alexander yeah. Payne is such a great director, of course, we all know, but not every director would say, hey, um, 
can we reshoot that day? I think you were a little nervous. Right. You know, so um, that was an amazing gift for him mm -hmm. to, to give me another chance at just right. restarting. So um, what do you tell people who want to get into this industry who have that, like, I might fuck this up? <laughs> right. Well, what do you tell them? Start with the other thing that I've yeah. described, which is a real want or a need mm -hmm. or, a, you know, a feeling mm -hmm. that's a sensation that's so deep mm -hmm. that it'll drive for you through the times when it's tough or you're not chosen or you're literally mm -hmm. not given a second to your chance <laughs> right not given a second chance yeah. which really is supposed to go with a lot of things in life right but it it, it doesn't really on that if you don't get that second right, right. audition you're yeah. over and done yeah um so make sure you have that in mm -hmm. you to get you through yeah um and and then what do you uh, say for the word rejection for nerves, people who are listening i don't know or rejection yeah. i think that too you have to begin to you have to have a thick skin to start with okay. or don't start yeah. really um but um I, I i just would describe it as um well there's so much luck too in other words i i've had to deal with less rejection than a lot of actors mm -hmm. so um it, it's it's something you need to work on though yeah. a lot of things like that we all have to do our work no matter what we do you got to do your work Right. right. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing that I, uh, that's very much yeah. the case. And it's, sometimes it's subtle things that are just sort of a sense of how you do your job mm -hmm. instead of those hard and fast rules that all jobs have. Mm -hmm. So I would say that in dealing for me with competition, so this mm -hmm. weaves into mm -hmm. what you're asking about rejection. It's when the other person is getting the part or, mm -hmm. or you're continuously not breaking through that same level or mm -hmm. that next level or something is, um, that too takes some calculation mm -hmm. of how to be competitive without it eating you up mm. or without it being something that you can just leave at the door when you go home or whatever you, wherever your spaces are mm -hmm. that you go to when you're not in, the, in that competition. Mm -hmm. So that's something I've had to balance um, over the years. Balance. I, balance. <laughs> the word. Yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> and, and really the fact is I've found – that the best balance for me is to have a high degree of competitiveness mm -hmm. that without it, or if I'm pushing back against my nature mm -hmm. or, or diminishing it, it, it doesn't work for me as well. Mm -hmm. So there were years where I was like, Hey, you know, there's plenty of room for everybody. And mm -hmm. I've always had great luck and my <laughs> career is continuing. Right. Right. Not that I never had anxieties or worries mm -hmm. about how it was going to go next. Emotions, yeah. Yeah. Just energy and motion. Absolutely. That's all it is. When I tell people, I'm like, it's emotions are just energy and motion. Let it flow. Max, this is exactly flow. the answer to all of the questions you've asked me <laughs> this evening. Really, it is certainly in terms of um, dealing with rejection or yeah. competition or not being the one that month right. or that year. Mm -hmm. It is what you just said. It is your inner spirit. It mm -hmm. is the thing that's driving you from within instead of the things that are um, validating you from w without. Right. Hold that thought. We'll be right back. I'm your host, Max Succi for Max and Friends. Really cool. You're listening to Max and Friends with Max Tucci right here on L.A. Talk Radio. LA Talk Radio, this is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Succi. Welcome back. If you're tuning in right now and you haven't been tuning in for the show, welcome to the show. My guest tonight is the one and only Dermot Maroney's here, and we're hanging out. We're talking about music and acting. We're talking about family and life 
and chihuahuas because I know right that on. means something to you because I did I did some research and you did a show about a 22 year old chihuahua. Yeah, so, <laughs> let's just talk about the 22 year old chihuahua. <laughs> it's an irresistible topic. I'll start with saying that my beloved, um, angry 22 year old chihuahua, Maverick, mm-hmm. has passed. But there's two more. <laughs> <laughs> His descendants live His on. Descendants uh, live on. <laughs> not related. Thankfully, I think we got a slightly better gene pool. This and time. equally as old one. One of them, though. No? Uh, no, we got two little puppies right when Maverick was about right. to kick But the now button. they're now they're how old? Uh, coming on four. I oh, guess. really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. So I don't. I can tell you, I never saw myself as a Chihuahua loving. Okay, I was going to ask you of all dogs, why a Chihuahua? <laughs> well, it, the old one came with my wife, so once you're in, you're okay. you're in. There's no and the going new ones back. came with the new and wife. They, no, the new ones came to to help, uh, you know, smooth over the passing. Right. The old one. Does that really help, though? It did. It does. It actually did, especially okay. for my kids. You know, well, for the kids, I get already it. another dog there instead of so it's easy. The, the, the empty, yeah. right? The yeah. empty nest of the dog. But I will same. tell you this: a man and his Chihuahua. There are those that have gone before me. <laughs> is that the title of your book? <laughs> no, the title of my book is. Um, gosh, I don't know. <laughs> a man and his Chihuahua. <laughs> a man and his Chihuahua. Maybe that is the title. That's like good. <laughs> but I worked with Mickey Rourke, who okay. maybe also has a famous Chihuahua connection. Really? I worked with him in nineteen. 19- 1991 or 2 mm-hmm. on a western for HBO called The Last Outlaw. Really okay. good western, by right, the right. way. Um, but he at that time, I, I think it's safe to say, was at the height of his insanity. Okay. Yeah, like yeah. diagnosable madness. Right. Um, and he had a beloved chihuahua named Angel through those years. So he was playing this hard-ass western right. you know, gunslinging killer right with his chihuahua they'd cut and then he'd be cuddling his little chihuahua angel and i won't say that i made fun of him at the time because you had one too i didn't you didn't at the time i didn't i didn't know about the chihuahua (laughs) of my future yet and i you know i'd I'd even admit to kind of making fun of the guy okay in passing like yeah he's really tough he's a great american actor did you know he has a chihuahua Chihuahua. angel (laughs) cut to about five years later this weaves into the dead chihuahua part okay. of the stories. And there he is on a plane next to me. I ask after Angel right, right. away, and he begins to weep. Oh, no. Because Angel, too. Became an angel. <laughs> Went to that great chihuahua hunting ground right. in the sky. So, um, yeah, that's my chihuahua, dead chihuahua story, interwoven <laughs> with Mickey Rourke's dead chihuahua story. But now how... So, But seriously, yeah. people like things that go um, viral. Uh-huh. That's my only entrance in that category. Is that little interview with Anthony Anderson right. on um, uh, on Good, YouTube? Yeah. Now it lives on to multi millions of people because have viewed of a it. Chihuahua. Not because of me, Max. Because of the Chihuahua. Of, the Chihuahua. of course, <laughs> Google <laughs> that, Chihuahua. That's why Taco Bell became famous because exactly. of the Chihuahua. <laughs> I knew I was just a man waiting for a brand. Now I have a title for my <laughs> well, memoirs. No, the book, I think, would be interesting. <laughs> not, uh, you know, the man and the chihuahua. Men and their chihuahuas. Right. And get all men series. with their chihuahuas. That would be a good book. And I'm people would it. buy it. You well, know they you would. You can tell because of the hits on the YouTube. Of course. All right. So that, that's the book. So now you know what? You write the forward. You do the cover. And you have the book. That's right. You can find 25 men with chihuahuas. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get right? back in. Yeah. <laughs> so the word family, what does it mean to you? Well, for me, it's really everything. And, um, you know, I grew up in a really close family, five kids, um, mm-hmm. suburban D.C. in the 60s and 70s. So 
there wasn't anything else. Our neighborhood was riddled with households full of kids, three, four, and five mm-hmm. children, families. When times were <laughs> beautiful. Well, that's what I'm describing. Kids. Yeah, yes. that's what I'm describing. <laughs> and so that's the time of uh, American culture that I come from, mm-hmm. time and place. Um, and I have three children of my own now, and that mm-hmm. seems like more than most people have. But that same intensity of family mm-hmm. that I came up with, um, I still feel. Mm. Um, so I guess I'm trying to describe what you're asking, how important it is. What does um, it mean? Yeah. What does it mean, right? Well, yeah. Did you want to have children younger growing up? I, I always did. You did. I know uh, plenty of people didn't and did and are glad that they do. Right. Um, I'm glad that they don't. <laughs> I, I have great friends that don't have kids right. and that I'm thrilled for that they yeah. don't have kids. But I, I think I just always was supposed to. Right. Felt that picture of myself in my head somehow. And your daughters are very talented. Wonderfully talented kids. Like unbelievable, with especially music. Yeah. Mother's a musician, father's a musician, exactly. grandmother's a musician. That's right. So it's like there's a history of musicians, and now the daughters are musicians. There is. Do you want them to go into the industry? Oh, I don't mind about the industry. What I um, gently insist on is that mm-hmm. they play an instrument, learn music theory, mm-hmm. um, at least through high school. Yeah. Um, but uh, really, uh, both of my daughters are looking pretty um, uh, pretty accomplished on their mm-hmm. instruments. One plays harp. I saw. Which is phenomenal. Yeah. Um, since and harp is like a beautiful instrument that people instrument. don't play. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The harp is something that needs to be brought back and like brought on stage and not just yeah. for classical productions for bring the harp into rap. <laughs> I know. Well, there are some great harp parts in, uh, you know, Florence and the Machine mm-hmm. has a great harpist play yeah. with her live. Um, and so we're big fans of her, mm-hmm. uh, her band, because mm-hmm. uh, that guy uh, rips on the harp. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so you become a little more, um, I'm like, I'm sure there's a word for it, but mm-hmm. you become a harpophile. Yeah. You see it more often, you hear it more <laughs> you often, do. you notice a it more. harpophile. Yeah. Um, and we're <laughs> You're like Aquarius ch- rising, <laughs> making yeah. up words, harpophile. Is a har- that a, a har- that's har- a good word. Yeah. Is I, it a real word? I don't know. We'll have there's to Google it. Probably. Because Google knows everything. <laughs> I know. Well, speaking of fans of, do you have like, is it easy to walk down the street? It is because Isn't that nice? when I'm stopped, mm-hmm. um, everyone is incredible to me. Really? In other words, um, That's so nice. I'm never bothered. Okay. It hap- it's, it's really happening more and more. Okay. I think streaming services that have added to this is a different type of um, uh, rerun, mm-hmm. uh, a, a movie, or uh, it's a different way people are absorbing. Right older products of mine, mm-hmm. let's say TV shows or films. Mm-hmm. So um, that's affected how many people um, see me as an actor on the street. Right. Um, but of those people, 1,000% of them mm-hmm. are so remarkably kind to me. Mm-hmm. I'm approached with smiles mm. all day long. So the longer, the more decades that I've mm-hmm. had this experience, the more profound it really starts to feel for me. Wow. So at this point in my life, I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, so really to answer your question, um, I've, I'm, yeah, I'm never bothered. Yeah. I'm it's frequently, nice to be frequently noticed, always appreciated yeah. is the thing. So, it's nice. Yeah. I haven't really had the type of exposure mm-hmm. in our culture where fame has been a downside. That's Knock nice. on wood. It's that really nice. nice. Especially talk- with a family. 
of course. It's nice when you have your privacy and people and respect you. We've all you. seen versions of the yeah. events where such a wonderful person's life is affected forever, mm -hmm. and they can't behave normally right. because they can't go anywhere yeah. without being noticed, yeah. without being watched, without that sensation of being looked at yeah. from behind. Yeah. There's no animal on earth that responds very well to that sensation. Mm -hmm. I actually saw this uh, documentary on Andre the Giant. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's I'm a documentary that is heartbreaking mm -hmm. for, for, for that very part of the story mm -hmm. alone. He even makes the distinction. There mm -hmm. are actors, there are sports figures that can walk into a room, mm -hmm. and people are happy to see him. Mm -hmm. But they can also walk into a room and not be noticed. Mm -hmm. If you're that noticeable, as mm -hmm. Andre the Giant was because of his physicality, right. he was really burdened with it in a different way. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a moment where mm -hmm. he could escape yeah. being recognized for being so unique and beautiful. Yeah. That's um, tough. Uh, so yeah. I, I'm not even comparing me. No, but to I understand him. that. Duality, I, I just, yeah. They put it into a context yeah. for me that made me feel so grateful that I have that acknowledgement mm -hmm. and all these wonderful people who share mm -hmm. their experiences of the of the work that I've done. Mm -hmm. That's the thing. It leaves a little imprint on people, mm -hmm. and so they're not just sharing with you that they appreciate you as an mm -hmm. actor. They're telling you that they they had a time in their life where I. Sh was shared with mm -hmm. them. And they remember you. They remember that me validation that moment is and that good. feeling. Yeah. Well, right now I know that all the Boca ladies at my mom's building are listening to the show. Ladies, <laughs> hello, it's Dermot. How are you? Thanks for listening to Mac's oh awesome show, gosh. LA it's Talk so Radio. And my mom was like, is it going to be on right now? I said, we're recording the show today, Mom. I'll tell you when it's airing. She's like, all the ladies want to know. They all want to know. Oh. So they're all probably sitting by the pool drinking martinis. Oh, I hope so. Uh, <laughs> With I their little so. vapes. <laughs> Have another one on me. But these are the people that I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, they all love I... you from, uh, from you know, from so many films. But my mom texted me, and of course she wanted to talk about four weddings. Like, so that's something. Right. That's that a new job of an old job, which is an old job for, which is mm -hmm. a new job for me. Mm -hmm. In other words, I'm known for now what are old. Let's call them classics. They are uh, classics. Romantic comedies. Right. Um, but they hired me on recently to join a, a new show for Hulu. Mm -hmm. It'll be one hour romantic comedy episodes. So ten of them a year, <laughs> and it's a reboot right. of that. Another famous uh, rom-com. What is the it titled? Four Weddings and oh, a Funeral. Oh, so same title. Same title, same awesome. concept. You get a whole season of a show, and you get four it's weddings and a funeral. airing now? It starts sooner than they thought, which makes me think Hulu really likes it. Good. It'll be on Hulu, and it comes out end of this month. That's the best. I think they release... Um, uh, so, you know, maybe four of the episodes mm -hmm. and then have a second release for mm -hmm. the, the other six or something. So it's, it's so cool how people can enjoy um, material in this in this new way. I With touched on it films. earlier. It's, it's changed how people see me, but it's so interesting to see how, um, you know, different absorption rate that mm -hmm. people have watching things in a run, like mm -hmm. in a binge, right. or re-watching things in a way that they wouldn't have. So what is it that you binge time. watch? Is there anything? Um, well, I've, why am I, why am I blanking on the name of the show? It's with Aidy Bryant. It's also on Hulu. Okay. Um, will you look that up? We'll What's look that, that up. called so that I can reference But in the meantime, it. let's talk but about Amazon. But I'll catch Amazon. like bizarre shows and just like <laughs> catch them. I recently watched, binge watched the first season of Hannah. 
How was that? Amazing. Okay. And guess what? I'm on the second season. We're shooting it right oh, now. Oh, you are? Yeah. So well, that's not that's like even awesome. really Look at announced. that segue. <laughs> <laughs> it's an exclusive it, here on Max and Friends. It is. It's a scoop. <laughs> and it's a, a year in advance of that season coming right. out. Literally, I've shot two days on it so far. This would be the season to follow this great first season with... Uh, um, you know, where Hannah yeah. emerges from the woods as a full-blown uh, teen assassin. All right. Is the first season. And then second season carries the, four, uh, yeah. the, the story forward. That's fun. Well, uh, let's talk about Amazon and Homecoming. Yeah. Because you were recently you were recently appeared on that. So how is it like, you know, there's – it's technically web series because it's not yeah. television. It's not movie. Yeah. You know, and when you say people are – they get confused. <laughs> They're like, no, what do you mean? Like you're streaming it off of your new television, which is your phone. I so how does it feel to like do work now that people have the accessibility to get their phone and see you instantaneously? They don't have to wait. They don't have to wait. And there is something really significant happening yeah. uh, in, in terms of post-production too. Mm -hmm. Things are double faster there. So uh, even though I'm talking about a season that we're shooting now, mm -hmm. in other words, they're getting stuff made so fast. Rapidly. They, rapidly. Yeah. They've literally, in the last four years, they've cut off two months of post-production, like a third oh, of it. Yeah. They can get this stuff done so fast. Yeah. And oh, the anxiety man. levels are even higher now. Even <laughs> higher. Well, Hollywood has never done themselves any favor, especially right. the television industry. Yeah. They have literally worked actors, showrunners, writers mm -hmm. to the human maximum capacity mm -hmm. to make 22 episodes of an hour-long show. Right. That was the old version. Everyone drove now themselves. It's... But now they do 10 episodes, and they stream it, and they release mm -hmm. it when they, when they feel like it. Yeah. There's no ground rule, self-imposed industrial right. structure the way there had been, mm -hmm. as network television was mm -hmm. the, the only game in town for decades. Mm -hmm. um, so it is very different. But the actual shooting, filming experience mm -hmm. has become more and more similar. What I would say is that Obviously, I'm not the first to say that this is a golden bloom, a golden mm -hmm. age of television. Scripts right. are getting better. Budgets are getting better. Mm -hmm. They're shooting it more like a movie. Mm -hmm. In other words, you can do 10 episodes in four months, or you can do a feature film in four months. Right. It's the Isn't same amount of time. Yeah. So they're coming in. Streaming services are probably putting a little more money into these limited mm -hmm. series. So there's a whole new product, a limited mm -hmm. series on streaming. There seems to be so much product, But the though. actor is getting the same amount of time on the set to shoot the number of takes that are required. Mm -hmm. The production, um, what would you call it? Like the production value, mm -hmm. the, the sets and the, mm -hmm. the production logistics are all being handled top mm -hmm. end. You know, they're mm -hmm. budgeted properly. So the experience of shooting the thing is getting mm -hmm. more and more similar. Mm -hmm. It used to be more different. Working on television was super fast, and working on feature films, you had more mm -hmm. time to craft the product. Right, right, right. Um, now, it's incredible. Now it's, it's, it's all like one. Yeah. So well, what's interesting, in way, too. I'm specializing, but the, uh, as a, like a visiting mm -hmm. actor. Right. But the playing field's a lot wider. That's, yeah, that's a good description. It is. But it's it still is. a specialty. Right. Even though there's more stuff to do. And the stadium is bigger. Yeah, that's The stadium I mean. is totally bigger. You know, and it's interesting, especially with like, you know, award seasons and everything and how is this going to parlay into awards, nominations? You know, we had someone recently on the show, they were talking about the Emmys and what's going to fit in script-wise and how are yeah. people, because there's just so there's just so many new outlets unfolding that the, yeah. the awards haven't caught up with all the outlets yet. 
I think that's true. It's um, going to be interesting because it, it to honor be people for their work and stuff. That's it, it's not even a category yet, you know. So they're they've got to catch up over there. <laughs> uh, but let's talk about music um, again. And I want to play one of your songs. Mystery Road is the one you sing in, right? Uh, Misery Misery Road, Road, yeah. yeah. So set that up. How did that start? Like, give us the... There was something I learned the other day, and you probably know about it. It's called narrative direction. Narrative, I think, direction. Where, for the blind, there's 30 million people who are blind or have visual impairment in the United States. And Instagram put a new thing on where you can go on Instagram and you can read what the picture looks like. So that you give the ability to have the blind imagine what they're seeing. Yeah, so it'll so have it's a really tag cool. description. So this of is the kind image. of like the this is kind of like the imagery that we're doing now. Set up the music and the song and what it means to you, and we'll play it. Well, I'll tell you, it's a country song, and um, it, it really is, and, mm-hmm. and it had kind of like a ambling pace to it. I know I came up with the little ditty part of the tune. While I was walking to talk, but there was um, there's a road in mm. my wife's hometown in Italy called mm. Via della Miseria, and I thought oh, yeah. Misery Road in translation was a great name for a country right. song. So those things just came together. <laughs> Italian country, exactly. <laughs> and for the hearing impaired, right. um, I would describe you know, or the music listening lyric Im- right. impairment person, I would describe the song as a description of making the wrong turn mm. many times before you make the right turn, mm-hmm. even if it's on a on a road called oh, Misery, misery. Road, right? <laughs> in Italy. that you're supposed to go on. Well, in Italy somewhere. That, where so where does this Misery Road take place? Um, I. I think it just—it's a very American song. It's It'd an be a rambler song. that hasn't found his home yet. That All he's right. off looking for where to make his next buck or where to settle. And down. you sing lead in this, right? and I sing lead. All I right, Misery Road here on Max and Friends. We'll be right back. My guest Dermot Mulroney, stand by. Here. Hey, I love live radio because then all of a right sudden on. it's not there, and then it's here. And hey, Sam, can you give me Misery? Or Dina, pull it up because the link didn't work and I saw you gave me the screen and of course I closed it because I'm the talent here. I don't understand all these buttons and what they mean and why I have to push them. (laughs) So we'll get that song up in a minute. But um, I don't know. The song doesn't play on the board here. Sam, how you doing, Sam? Sam. It's okay. Sam came in here all frantic. Life happens. It's okay. You can breathe. (laughs) Here. I don't know. All right. So send it over to me. And that is? Yeah, that should be it. I don't hear it, though. There we go. Thank you, Sam. (laughs) Check the oil top off the tank. Cash my last paycheck at the bank. Last light in town, the corner store Can't stand to stay here anymore My 1990 Chevrolet I drive on out to Dismal Bay Drive through the rain, drive through the fear Got no windshield wipers for my tears Check my dusty rear view Thought I Fleeting glimpse of you So I said Jump in the front and lock the door Can't stand to taste these tears no more 
Talk Radio, this is Max and Friends. I'm your host, Max Tucci. That was Misery Road by Dermot Maroney, who sang the lead in that song. You know, I heard you say the 1990 Chevrolet. Yeah. Is that a pickup? Yeah, absolutely. A Silverado. That's the one. <laughs> Makes me want one. Absolutely. <laughs> right now with the windshield washers, with wipers, getting those tears. You know, country. there's something about country music that it just feels good. Yeah. Even though it's sad and shitty and you're going through Misery Road. You could play that all night and just be like, you know what? Go on that journey. That's Some exactly dusty road. Right. That's in the, exactly right. In a we had truck. Uh, Johnny Cash, Charlie Pride always playing in our house. Yeah, it's um, good. Growing up. Um, it's good music. My, my dad loved country music, so uh, cool. yeah, we had that going on. That's awesome. All right, well, you know, we're going to have to wrap this show up. Um, I, I, it's been a lot of fun. Man, I, I, could, I could talk to you all <laughs> night, Max, honestly. I, I really appreciate, appreciate that. it. But, you know, before we go, tell us what you're working on now that you can tell us about. Very cool. Um, well, I mentioned I probably right. shouldn't have, but That's I let okay. it slip that I do start a second season of Hannah mm-hmm. um, for uh, Amazon Prime Video. Right. Interestingly, just today, I did one piece. It'll show up on Netflix for a documentary or mm-hmm. a, a social justice piece called Amend, mm-hmm. and it focuses on the, um, the 14th Amendment, which, uh, you know, uh, gives equality to all mm-hmm. citizens of the United States right. in everything. It exists? Yeah. It does exist. Wait, where is it? <laughs> well, I learned more about it when they called me in for yeah. this today. But Good. I'll we join an incredible it. cast, Will Smith, Mahershala Ali, oh, and, and dozens of others. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And that, that came up real quick, and it felt really important. I just jumped on and did it. Beautiful. So that comes to mind because I came here from there. Yeah, today. when is that aired, you know? I don't. They're really so, just shooting it now, but you'll be see it up. It's probably in their it'll documentaries. It'll be out sooner than later. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and uh, trust me, they're keeping me busy. They'll have me revisit Station mm-hmm. 19 on ABC. Oh, cool. Um, so that, uh, that I rejoin that cast, their mm-hmm. second season. Um, and then you're doing stuff in the, in the UK, fall. right? That's where that, that's where we shoot those. those that's parts where of you Hannah. shoot it. Yeah, station oh. nineteen here in L.A. Right, but Hannah. But before that, I do some weeks nice. on Hannah in London. Yeah. Do you like being there? I do. I, I um, you know, the downside is being away from my family. I've done mm-hmm. it a lot, um, and mm-hmm. so I have no complaints about FaceTime. where I go to work <laughs> or when. But yeah. uh, I do miss my kids. So mm-hmm. lots of FaceTime. Yeah. So if you could live anywhere in the world, let's say pack up the family, pack up the kids. I'm retiring. Where would you go? Gosh, that's a tough one. I talk it over with my wife all the time. Um, we say New York, and then I go to New York, and I'm <laughs> I don't know about New York. We say uh, you know the mountains of Colorado, and that's where I am. Yeah, you guys have right. to come to the house in well, Boulder. Well, tell you what, come let's, to Boulder. Let's get to the bottom of this question okay. um, when we come visit you Perfect. in Boulder. You're coming, and then we'll uh, either circle or scratch off Colorado. You know, there's a thing about Boulder. That it's called the Niwak curse, but I call it the Niwak blessing. And there's a Native American tribe called yeah. the Niwats, right? That were in Colorado, and they said whoever comes to Boulder will get bit by the Niwak curse and either never leave or always return. Right. And I went there, and I was like, oh, "You got bit? A bit? Yeah. That was. I still. It's a tick on my body. <laughs> it no, is still kidding. sucking out my blood. It's like you are never leaving. It's magical." Oh, God. And it's still America. It's the mountains, but everything is 15 minutes away. The convenience of America is nice. It's tough to say, like, oh, I would go to Bora Bora. And then you're like, there's no no CVS at 24 (laughs) hours. Exactly. And when we want to do that, my wife really is from a tiny town in Italy. So we have that place. So, Um, yeah. Yeah. I was just in Italy for 45 days. And everyone's like, what do you look forward to to going back to America? I'm like... Well, <laughs> <laughs> it takes you a minute. To... Convenience, yeah, yeah. <laughs> convenience. There's one. That is one good thing about we do have convenience here, oh. and once you get it, it's impossible to get rid of it. But so it's good. Listen, there's an art to owning nothing. Yeah, right. And I think that that's a beautiful notion. The art to owning nothing because there's such an abundance in this world. Yeah, certainly. So to own one place and say this is home, it's kind of tough when there's so much to explore. Yeah. So I'm glad you explored Max and Friends tonight. Oh, you bet. <laughs> Thank you so much for having my me. My pleasure. On. My pleasure. You'll come back when you have ah. things to talk about more and. We're always here. You know, the first time you're a friend, the second time you're family. That's how Max and Friends works. Max, I love it. So, Thank you so much. My pleasure. I'm grateful that you're joining us tonight here on Max and Friends. Dermot Rooney, you can find him. You uh, Let's talk about it because you do have an interesting Instagram. And yeah. people get confused because one of them has a million followers and one of them is brand new. And that's the official one. And I'll tell everyone what it is right now. Right on. Which is Mulrooney.Dermot. And then in parentheses, not in the at. It says official. So if you're looking for Dermot on Instagram, go and you'll see him playing the cello. There's three posts. That is, that's his yeah. new one. Go follow him there. Blow it up there. Show the love there. Instagram at Mulrooney.Dermot on Instagram. Follow it. Join it. Love it. Spread the word. And on that note, before we go, what is something that you want people to take with them into this week? Oh, wow. Well, 
maybe since I'm thinking about the 14th Amendment right now, mm-hmm. is to uh, you know focus on where you can equal equalize, mm. where you can bring diversity into your life, and mm-hmm. and where you can make a difference in that balance we were talking about. It mm-hmm. might just be within yourself, mm-hmm. but uh, I bet there's a way you could extend that out into our culture. We we need it. Mm-hmm. I love that. Well, I'm going to leave you all with this, and then we got to run. But I'm going to leave you with this. In life, do you want to be right or do you want to be happy? On that note, I love you for tuning in to Max and Friends. Stay tuned every Sunday night here. Follow me on Twitter at Max Tucci. For now, follow me on, Twitter, on Instagram at Max Tucci Radio. If you have a guest that you think is inspiring and you want on the show, let me know. Max at MaxTucci.com. That's my email. Use it, y'all. I love you for tuning in. Until next time, take life to the max. Good night and good karma. Max and Friends. He says what he wants. Ain't holding nothing back. Yeah, I'm